90% Mental, Conversations with Grant Parr, Episode 82. Today, mental performance coach Grant Parr sits down with Tracy Hamm, UC Davis head women's soccer coach, to talk about building a championship culture and her process that allows her athletes to thrive on and off the field. Coach Hamm believes how you do anything is how you do everything, and by adopting this mindset, it will translate into greatness in every aspect of someone's life. If there is one thing that you will learn from Coach Ham, she's an example for her program by outworking any opponent and getting it done. Hey, Tracy, how are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. You bet, man. I'm excited to have you on my show today because one of my favorite topics is about team culture. How do you create it, sustain it, protect it? And I know, uh, you know, as the head coach of women's soccer team at UC Davis, I know that you're starting your first year there. You're creating some awesome momentum and rhythm within culture, but you have a long list of experience uh, or experiences in building great culture. So I'm, I'm really excited to talk to you about this topic today on my show. Yeah, thanks so much. I'm, I'm excited too. It'll be a good one. All right. Well, before we get into culture, uh, I want to talk about mental toughness, which is one of my one of my just my mainstays uh, topics I talk about on the beginning of every show. And so I want to ask you a question about mental toughness. What does mentally tough mean to you? Well, I think my definition um, of mental toughness is the ability to focus on the next most important thing. Um, I think I stole that from someone. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah I, I think I, well, I won't say stole. I borrowed it from uh, Jack Clark, who is the Cal rugby coach who's won, you know, over 20 national championships. Um, and he's obviously pretty, pretty familiar with building culture and mental toughness. And obviously rugby is one of those games that that's a big requirement for sure. But I think, you know, being mentally tough and mentally strong, um, you know, is, is exactly that. It's, it's the ability to move on from a mistake or move on from adversity and focus on the next, the next most important thing or the next most important play. Um, you know, and that's something that you can have, you know, as an innate ability. Um, but I also think it's something that you can train. I think it's something that, um, you need your, you need teammates, you need your culture to really support that, um, you know, and, and hold each other accountable. Absolutely. I, I always preach the uh, so what next play. And if we can get into that mindset as we're playing, we don't get out of focus. We still stay focused. And if we say that, so what next play, then we allow ourselves to do actually next play speed. We increase that next play speed by not getting all caught up in our thoughts and caught up in a situation and our emotions. So uh, I agree with you. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, it's a game, you know, it's all sports, there's games and mistakes, you know, and if that's, you know, if you're not making mistakes, then, you know, you're probably doing, you are not probably not playing hard enough, you're probably not, you know, as focused as you should be, because you're going to make mistakes, and, you know, that's part of, that's part of sport, that's what makes it, you know, fun, you either capitalize on mistakes, or you move on from mistakes, uh, you know, so I think that that ability to move on to the next thing, and the next stage, and the next play is, is incredibly valuable. Big time. Failure is informative, right? It's uh, we got to fail to succeed. Mm-hmm. So I love it. I love it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It's, well, it's one of those things too. Is like when we when we teach uh, athletes, it's having that relationship with with failure. Like I always I always feel that failing in our mistakes, it can be like an energetic pull downward. Like when you lose or you fail, it's downward. But if we know that failing is part of success, then let's fail up. Let's fail forward. Let's fail fast and move on, right? Let's have a different perspective right. of failing. Exactly. You know, and that's what we talk about a lot at any any program I've been a part of is really like the response to failure. Because for me, that's the that's the difference between um, you know excellent athletes and, and just good athletes. Is you know, you're everyone's going to fail, and how do you respond to that failure? You can respond in you know really positive way. Um, and build and grow um, and acknowledge that there's failures that have to be made for growth uh, or you can spiral, you know, and just look at it as, you know, not valuable and not letting yourself get out of your comfort zone, you know, to make those mistakes. And, uh, you know, you've got to allow yourself that ability to, you know, challenge yourself constantly um, and allow yourself to fail so that, you know, you know what, what growth looks like. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. You know, there was uh, back in the day when I played sport, I, I played football for about 
13 years as a quarterback. And I was being mentored by an incredible quarterback. And I remember I, I remember I was young. I said, man, I want to be just like you. And he goes, if you want to be just like me, he goes, it's something like, you haven't failed enough to be as good as I am. And I was like, oh, okay. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm like, got it. Got to keep on failing. Got to keep on getting better. So right. yeah, I love talking about that subject. Um, but when we go back to when we go back to mental toughness, right? I, I want to kind of get back into your mindset because I know that you played at a very elite level as a soccer player, and obviously you've coached at you're coaching at an elite level. Mm -hmm. So when you reflect on your career as a soccer player and as a coach, is there a, a specific time where you had to be mentally tough that you can share with my listeners? Yeah, I think that there's, you know, there's lots of different moments uh, for sure, but I think it's something that, um, you know, you, you learn over time. Um, but specifically, you know, to soccer, I think that fitness is probably one of the <clears throat> the biggest moments in the game that require you to be mentally tough because you can always do more than you think, um, but you need, absolutely need someone to push you to get you there because that's something that, you know, is one of those moments that's really trainable. Mm -hmm. You know, there's mentally tough situations where you can play through injuries, right, and that's um, you know, something that's kind of a requirement for sure, uh, playing at the highest level, but, um, that fitness piece where, you know, you need, you need to, you know, be bigger, stronger, faster than you thought was capable, um, absolutely requires a pretty high level of, you know, mental, mental toughness for sure. Um, you know, being able to finish out plays and, you know, tracking runners, you know, 120 yards after you just made a 60 yard run forward, um, you know, that piece to, to not quit on the play, I think, requires major mental toughness. That's something I absolutely learned during my playing career was, you know, there's once you take a play off, that's when you get punished. Mm. Um, so being super mentally tough. Um, and I, I kind of flipped it. I think the, the more mature, you know, I got as a player when I started playing professionally was, um, you know, there was lots of moments where I was playing like not to lose. So I was very mentally tough. I want to track my runner. I want to make sure that, um, you know, I'm not letting them get by me. This is my responsibility, like a lot of accountability. Um, but then, you know, as I got into my pro career, I, I felt like more, I, I wanted to play to win. Um, and in that way, I would try to identify players on the field on my opponent that were, you know, I could see struggling fitness wise or, you know, or kind of off their game and then trying to expose them and take advantage of them. And in that way, I felt like I was able to, you know, find my 1v1 opponent and take advantage of them because I felt like I was mentally tougher. Um, I wanted to, you know, make sure that I exposed their deficiencies yeah. <laughs> um, and take advantage of the opportunity, you know, not just be grateful for the opportunity, but take advantage of it. And, uh, you know, that was something that absolutely I felt like was trained by my teammates, by my coaches, um, and, you know, just kind of the maturity of, you know, myself and my growth as a person and a player. Yeah, I, I love that. And I... I teach this a lot with athletes, especially, you know, when we talk about body language, when you when you're actually competing against your opponent and they let in or they show you that they're frustrated or they're out of focus and their body language is showing that, put more pressure on them. Get them keep them out of being focused. So and it, that's why I always talk about it's important with your own body language because if you're showing that you're frustrated and your body uh, posture is negative, someone might capitalize on that and that's the edge so let's let's actually keep our body language no matter what the situation is let's keep that in check and then when someone else is showing that they're frustrated or they're getting out of focus put more pressure on them absolutely i mean that's that's something we talk about at training like every day is you know keep your hands off your knees you know don't you know don't show that you're tired don't show that you're frustrated like you might be in it in your mind but the one thing that you can control absolutely is your body language. Um, you might be really tired, but stand up straight, jog back, rest on defense. Um, you know, but as soon as a player you see isn't, you know, isn't tracking a runner or isn't, you know, going into a tackle as hard as they can. Like for me as a player, I was like, you're mine. Now I'm in your head. Now, now it's go time, <laughs> you know? Um, and that was just, I like to compete. I like to win. Um, you know, and I wasn't like, Oh, we're in this together. We're both tired. I'm like, Nope. Now is my time. I made you tired, you know, and you're showing me that this is, you know, my time to take advantage. So here we go. I love it. I love it. Now, how, how different is your mindset or was your mindset as a player when you compare it to being a coach? Is it, is it the same? I know it's different roles, but I mean, do you carry the same mindset? 
I would think so. Absolutely. Um, I think I honestly am even more competitive as a coach because I can't be on the field. <laughs> right. Um, you know, so it's like I'm, I'm looking around and I'm trying to identify those players for my team, you know, until I feel like they're at a point where they can pick that out and they can rise up to the occasion. Um, you know, I feel like it's funny because, you know, where we're at right now, like every time, you know, we lose a game when I was a player, I used to, you know, kind of carry that weight on my shoulders. Like, and I, you know, I want to win the next one. And, uh, you know, as a coach, now it's like I look at it and every loss, I mean, this, this probably, you know, I don't know if this is helpful <laughs> for me as a person, but like, you know, every time there's a loss, like I get more motivated, you know, like it, it, it sparks something in me. Like there's something, you know, a couple of years ago, maybe if I got a loss, I'd be like, you know, kind of discouraged and feeling like, well, you know, this is out of my control or something. Uh, you know, like I'm not on the field and maybe put some blame on some players, you know, at the team. But, you know, finally, you know, after a couple of games, my first year as a head coach, I'm like, no, this, we're all in this together, you know? And so after a loss now, it's like, now I just feel that like inner rage motivation. Like I, I want to do something about it. I'm going to keep working. I'm going to keep fighting. Cause I think for me as a coach now, it's like my, like I'm a role model and my players have to see that same fight that I'm asking of them. They got to see that in me. Um, you know, I'm not going to give up on anything. And again, it's one of those things, response to failure. And how do you, how can you battle losses and, and turn them not necessarily into positives, but I think for me into motivation. And, you know, I always just can't wait for the next game. Like if we lose a game this year, I'm like, wait till I see you next year. You know, and yeah. <laughs> I wear this little chip on my shoulder, but that's that's how I was as a player. That's how I feel like I'm going to be as a coach, and uh, that's how I have been. And I think that that's part of, you know, the culture that I've created with every program is like they see my passion, they see what I want, you know, the expectation, but they they see that I hold myself to those same standards, if not higher standards, than I do for them. Um, you know, so they can see it, they can feel it, they can visualize it. Uh, you know, because I I want to compete and I want to win and you know, fail, failure is a, a bump in the road for me, you know, so let's get it. Let's get after it. Let's keep moving forward. Yeah, man, you're pumping me up, man. This is great. I love okay. it. <laughs> I love it. It's great. Good stuff. Well, well, this is, you know, definitely your energy and your mindset um, as a player and, and as a coach. I can only imagine when you're creating culture, um, you've had a lot of experience with it because all the teams you played on and the coaches you played in the environments that you've coached, but I want to segue into to team culture. So what does team culture mean to you? I know it's a broad question, but what does it mean to you? Well, I think that, you know, team culture is the intangible in championship seasons and, you know, in positive seasons because, you know, you can, you can coach the game and you can get really talented players that know the X's and the O's and they've got good touch and they're good athletes and all those things, but you've got to have a good team culture. And, but, you know, by culture, like what you just asked is, you know, what, what does the buy-in look like? What are your standards? What are your expectations? What are your, you know, yeah, just like, what are your team values? Like, what are you guys about? And so one of my favorite things, um, I can't remember where I heard this, um, but like, what, like, what is your team identity? So let's say that, you know, we were wearing uniforms that didn't have our name on it. Would, would a spectator be able to watch us play and know that it was us? And how are they going to know that it's us? So what is the team identity? What is our culture going to be? Are we going to be a team that plays super hard? We win 50-50 tackles. Uh, you know, we don't give up. We play with that battle and that fight. Is that how they know it's us? Or are our values going to be more around, hey, we're going to be a super technical team and we're going to be, you know, tiki-taka and Barcelona on the ball um, and, you know, play super possession style. Is that how they're going to know us? You know, so I, I think... For me, when you're building team culture, it's really important to know who your players are, know who they are as people also and what they value because um, they might value playing really nice soccer or they might value winning. Um, and then as a coach, when you're trying to implement that culture and, and make it something that's going to create success for your team, uh, you, you've got to know what their goals and their objectives are as the players and then put together a strategy that's going to make everybody successful and typically that culture piece you know is is the intangible and that's what's going to help your team grow and help your help your program you know continue to you know strive for greatness and and you know achieve the highest success that's capable of you know given the personnel on the team you make a great point because you know obviously 
there's there's always going to be structure for the most part with culture, but depending on the people, because the people make up the culture and the players, so the dynamics change from year to year because you're bringing in new people and people are leaving. And so as a coach, you, you need to finesse that. And, and so the identity, there is like when you think of like predominant cultures out there, team cultures, you know, Alabama football and De La Salle football and, um, you know, just that's on top of my mind because I'm, I'm more of a football player. But you, you mm-hmm. have these, even though the culture, everybody knows what those cultures are like, but they do change from year to year because the people in them, you know, that are making up the culture and, and they have an identity. So when you brought up identity, it's really it's funny. I've had a lot of people on my show that are talking about culture and they deem their culture as, and I'll, and I'll list some of them off. I've had coaches come on my show and say, yeah, my culture is a earn it culture. It's a feel it culture. Mm-hmm. It's an effort culture or do your best culture. So when you have that kind of like identity or that name, what would you say typically the culture is right now at UC Davis or maybe some of the cultures that you've coached in the past? Like what, what would you deem it? What would you name it? Oh, good question. Um, honestly, I think everywhere that I've been, and this is kind of my crutch is how you do anything is how we do everything. Mm. Um, and so that's really valuable to me. And I think that that's the way that I approach the game, especially working with women is, we got to hold ourselves accountable on and off the field and everything that we do. Um, you know, I am definitely like a holistically driven coach in terms of, I really like to take the entire individual and the entire team and approach it from, you know, every possible perspective that can influence their performance on the field, you know? And so that's something that I feel like I can always fall back on is how we do anything is how we do everything. So, Hey, when you go to the grocery store, do you put the grocery cart away or do you make someone else do it for you? Like that's something to me that carries over to the soccer field. Do you not track a runner because you're thinking someone else is going to do it for you? Well, you just made that person work 10 times harder, you know? So there's, there's things that are, there's really clear examples that always go back to that culture piece of how we do anything is how we do everything. So are you going to class? You know, well, if you're not going to class, then, you know, you're not fulfilling that part of the requirement to be on this team. You're not doing everything. So, I like that. It's something that I've stuck with because I feel like, again, you can always provide really specific examples. And I think when you're working with athletes, the more specific and the more detail that you can provide, the more effective you are in your communication and as a coach. Because when you're generalizing things, there's always athletes that are looking at me and they're like, well, they're they're not talking to me, right? I'm I'm not doing those things. But when you put a name on it and you give them specific examples, you know, then they always know that, no, I actually am talking to you. I'm talking to everybody. Right. Um, so that's super important. Yeah. I, I love it. I love it because, you know, when you think about culture, it when you're actually representing your team, it exists on campus, so in the classroom, off campus, like in a grocery store, competition on game day, and then also practice in conditioning or strength conditioning. And I feel like those are four areas where that's where culture exists. And I, and I do this. I actually did it yesterday, actually, with a team. And it's called I Got Your Back. And basically what you're doing is you're trying to strengthen up the culture and having under everybody understand that everyone has a responsibility to uphold the values of culture. And so I ask questions in those four areas where if your sister or your teammate, it's, it's, ask, it's them coming up to you, giving you a question, and how are you going to get their back? And so you basically you put a piece of paper on their back, tape it on their back, and mm-hmm. you write the answers down, and you don't tell them until the very end. So I read out the question mm. over again, and so they tell them, this is what I would say to you to get your back. Interesting. I like that. Yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. It's, uh, to be honest with you, our, our friend, uh, our great friend uh, JT Hanley, when I, when I did this with his team, he was like, this was the first time I met him and his team. He was like, that, that was pretty cool. I'm going to start using that. So, <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Good dude. Been doing this a long time. I know, right? Well, when you think about culture, like, what do you? And again, another broad question here, but what do you start with? I think for me, I start usually um, kind of just starting from the work ethic and the accountability piece. So focusing on the details—that's something that I feel like is really important. Um, 
and, you know, showing up on time and wearing the correct equipment and doing what I ask and getting there early and making sure that the balls are pumped and really small things that end up being a kind of a big deal because um, I feel like they affect, you know, just the standard of what we're trying to create. Um, and again, because I always relate everything that I do back in terms of culture always relates back to my, you know, how we do anything is how we do everything. So are we prepared? You know, preparation leads to confidence. Um, you know, so we start with the really small kind of things. Um, you know, are you, you know, wearing shin guards when I ask you to put shin guards on? Like, they seem like really silly things. But then, you know, as you progress through the season, when you don't have to worry about that stuff anymore, then you can start to focus on some of the bigger things. Um, but for me, the, the, the work ethic piece and um, the accountability piece is typically where I start. Um, and then I think my responsibility as a coach, uh, and, you know, this is an area I feel like I've had a lot of success with, is I really try to get to know the players as, as people, as an individuals, because everyone responds to coaching differently. And it's really important for me to have all my players feel like I'm affording them the ability to have the most success possible. Um, and that's in my, you know, it's my responsibility to identify, hey, this player really doesn't mind if I, you know, rip them in front of the whole team. This player really needs me to talk to her off to the side. This player responds much better, you know, in a small group and getting feedback in that way. Um, so I really try to kind of pick those players out and identify where, you know, how am I going to get the most out of this player? Because um, it's certainly not the same for everybody. Um, you know, and a lot of it's just understanding what are they doing off the field, especially in the, at the college level. Um, there's so many other things they've got going on in their lives and there's so many distractions that, you know, I really want to know what's happening um, so that, you know, I can make sure that I'm as effective as possible in my communication and feedback with them. It's beautiful because you're, you're literally getting into the heart of the athlete or the person, really. You're getting to know that piece. And Sure. And, and I, you know, you, ha- you have to, I think you have to do that. And, you know, I think coaches, you know, they make mistakes by just, you know, treating everybody the same. And I don't mean that like you've got favorites or anything like that. Like that's not, you got the same standards, right. For everybody, the same expectations. But when, when you're trying to get the, your players to perform their absolute individual best so that it helps your team perform their best, like you really have to identify the strengths and weaknesses of each player, not just obviously from a talent standpoint, physical talent, but you know, what are they, what's their mental capacity? What are they capable of? Like what areas, do they need to work on, you know, are they lacking confidence? Are they bad at communication? Do they, are they scared of feedback? Uh, you know, I, I think that that's just invaluable. Once you get to know your players in that way, that's when you really start to do kind of serious work and, you know, serious mental toughness, you know, building and, you know, building that culture that you want. Definitely. Definitely. Now, you know, when you think about coaching styles, I think, you know, there there are some great coaching styles, and there's some there are some bad ones, and and they do affect culture. From your perspective, what do you think is just throwing it out there? Transactional coaching versus transformational coaching. Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely more of a transformative coach for sure. Um, I think again, like it depends at the level that you're at. I think there's a certain time and place for, you know, kind of that transactional coaching where you're really just like, this is what I need you to do and then you could do it or else, you know, like there's times and places for those moments, um, especially when it's more of a results driven situation. Um, you know, but for me, like people, people don't like being yelled at. Right. <laughs> like, I, you know, I always think of this, like you, no one likes being yelled at. Like you might take it better than other people or players, but no one's actually enjoying that. And I think that there's a way, you know, it, it all for me goes back to respect and there has to be a two way relationship with players where they respect you and you certainly have to respect them. And like, if that's what you're looking at in terms of being a coach, like you want the best out of your players. Like that's what being a good coach is. Um, you know, and make and develop thing, obviously them as, as people and players, um, you know, but the being a transformative coach is, you know, that that's what you think about like later down the road, you know, like I, for me, cause I just, I love competing. Like I will never forget wins and losses and, you know, big times and games and stuff like that. But at the end of, you know, season fast forward five years, when you're looking back, you know, you're, 
you're more so asking yourself, well, what are those players doing now? And how did I affect them, you know, in a positive way? Are they better people for having played for me? Um, you know, are they better competitors? Are they going to be more effective in the workplace? And, you know, it's hard to define success and things like that. But, uh, you know, I, I feel like I came out of the gate feeling like, you know, I've got to be super tough and this is that expectation. I'm like a college coach now. And like, let me make sure I like, you know, get stuck in and things like that. But it felt really forced, you know, it didn't feel like me cause that's not who I am kind of off the field. Like I felt like I can make it crystal clear how passionate and my expectation and my demands without coming across, um, you know, yeah, like a transactional coach, like, this is what I'm saying and I need you to do it now. Right. It's like, I like to provide feedback and like, this is why. And I think women in particular, they like to know why they're doing things. Um, they wanted to, that's how you can kind of build buy-in. It's like, well, why am I doing this coach? Right. You know, it's not, this is what I need you to do. It's like, well, this is why I need you to do this. And then there provides more context for that demand. You know, it's more valuable. It's, it's better received. Definitely. And you make a great point. I think there there is a time and place for it, um, for the transactional piece, depending on the person, depending on the culture and the level. Um, I, I don't know what it was. I, I had a dad, or my my dad coached me a lot in sports and in in life. Even when he would get upset with me or tell me what to do, or even the players on the team, for whatever reason, it was even if he was he was very transform tra transformational. But when he was kind of transactional at times he would always come back to you and he would always, he would circle back with you. And it, it usually would, it was always ending up with a hug. And, um, and there's another coach that I coached football with uh, who's still at Sarah high school, Patrick Walsh. He, man, that guy is, he is um, unbelievably, uh, when it talks, when, when you're talking about accountability, a fire, uh, lighting people mm -hmm. up. I mean, he's, he's, he's awesome, but he has a lot of energy, but man, he is going to hold you. He's going to hug you. He's going to even kiss you on your cheek. So, like, he might, mm -hmm. he might push the shit out of you, but at the very end of practice mm -hmm. or the end of the game, you know he's going to come back to you. And to me, I feel that's transformational. Absolutely. And that's, like, it's just finding that balance, right? Like, typically, like, I'll rip a player, and then, like, the next two plays, and they do something great, I'm their biggest fan. Yeah. You know, like, that. that's super important. I follow something. You know, great job, bud. And everyone's like, okay, like, all right, here, she's back, she's back. You know, and it's like, <laughs> for me, you know, it's like, I think that that's, again, it's like that respect. Like, I'm asking you to do this because I'm, I respect you and I know that you're capable of doing it. Like, I will never ask players to do things I know they can't do. There's nothing more discouraging because as a player, if you feel like you are trying your absolute best and you still can't do it, God, how disheartening is that? You know, and so it's like, as a coach, like, you've got to find what those balance are, like, those that limit, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I can definitely get into my players. Absolutely. But after, you know, my co my staff and I, we call it cleanup duty, you know? Uh, so sometimes like if I'm not in a space where I'm like, no, I've, I've had too much, you, you know, she's not listening or, you know, I've given her too many chances. I'm like, Hey, you know, my assistant coach, I'm like, go, go do cleanup duty, you know? And so they'll go over and have the conversation in the arm and, yep. you know, next time and blah, blah, blah. Cause it's like, <laughs> you gotta have that balance again, you know? So Totally. Yeah, absolutely. And again, that, that's part of that culture because that's what, you, you know, that's what you need from your team. And hopefully, you know, by leading by example as a coaching staff, that trickles into your seniors so that, you know, most of the leadership is coming from, from your, you know, from your players. Big time. Uh, so. Big time. And, and I think, I think kind of the goal is, and what I, I've been a part of this, not only as a player, but as a coach, and then as being a mental performance coach and, and working with teams, how awesome is it when you have a culture where it's a player-led team, where you're not doing all the heavy lifting as a coach to push push culture. It's it's the leaders, the people that are stepping up, that are being vulnerable, that are bought in, and just watching them start practice, watching them put away all the equipment without without asking them to do it. They just do it. Right. That's that's <laughs> that's like oh, I've arrived. Yeah. Like, <laughs> the world, you know. And it was uh, you know at SF State my last year there. Like you know, I, that was my fourth year, and I was like, all right, gosh, I can just focus more on coaching and like enjoying this a little bit more, you know. Um, you know, and then of course I got the the job at UC Davis, and I was like, and we're back, okay. Right. <laughs> you right. know, and just kind of trying to help them find that because. You know, the, I think the most successful teams have player-driven leadership for sure. 
Um, you know, obviously your coach has a big influence on that, but once you get to a point where the players are the ones that are leading themselves and holding themselves accountable, I mean, that's big time. Like that's, that's the dream, right? Yeah. Um, cause then everything that the coach adds is just extra, you know, big it's time. just that extra passion, that extra influence. So that's where we're at right now. Um, you know, I talked to my staff, you know, before season started and I said, Hey, this, this piece is on us this year until they get it, you know, maybe it might be on us for the next few years. Um, you know, we're always going to have some sort of responsibility with it, but you know, the dream is to have your players buy in and, and them, them do the heavy lifting, you know, and place the accountability on themselves for sure. Totally. Now I want to go back a little bit to San Francisco state because when we're creating culture, there's always this, you know, there's a starting point and for the most part at any point uh, can be, but it's, or it could just be a, this lives on, um, throughout the, you know, the legacy of the school or the team. But when you go back to that first day, when you when you took on that job at San Francisco State, what did that first day look like as a from a culture standpoint? And then what did it look like the day you left? Well, I mean, I, I don't. I think my first day there, there just there wasn't any, you know, and that was something that, you know, was kind of partially well, kind of partially my fault, but. Um, because I made so many changes to the roster. So it was kind of starting over brand new. Um, but over the course of the four years, you know, the, before the season started my fourth year there where I'd had some players that had played for me for three seasons at this point, um, you know, I'd been kind of struggling, like, you know, why aren't we getting, you know, better leadership from our players? And it was something, you know, I always reflect on, you know, my season and games and trainings and things like that. And I felt like, you know, it's because they they don't know who they are. They we don't have a we, this isn't a program that's got a long line of tradition. You know, there's not traditions that were passed down from seniors to freshmen and something, you know, it, that they they can buy into. It was like we've got that you guys have to decide like what's the identity that you wanna that you wanna leave with. Like, what do you hope you guys are alumni from here? I'm not an alumni. Like, what do you want to come back to? What do you hope this season looks like? What do you hope the program looks like in ten years? And that's what I want you to focus on. Um, and so by that year, you know, by the fourth season really felt like, and that's, you know, we had our most success for sure. We made the playoffs. Um, that's when I felt like there was a, a shift where kind of the senior class and you know, the juniors and the seniors felt like, what do we want to come back to? Like, what do we hope this looks like? And so, you know, they really kind of bought into that piece of, you know, how we're, how we do anything is how we do everything and kind of maintaining the standards and those expectations so that now, you know, the, the freshmen, you know, are now sophomores, like they know what it looks like. They know what it feels like. They know what the standard is. They know what the expectation is. Um, you know, so it was, it was really, really sad when I left SS state, like I, you know, it was one of the hardest meetings I've ever had. Um, you know, I, I walked into a room, you know, it was a couple of days after, you know, our last game and, you know, the girls were all kind of wondering, well, why, why are we meeting so quickly? Normally after season, you know, you take like a week or two off and we meet together, you know, the team and I met with them. I think we played on Saturday and I met with them on Monday because I had to start with UC Davis and a couple of days later. Um, and, you know, walking into that room before I even spoke, you know, like they knew me so well and I knew them and we were so bought in, um, you know, they, they knew something was, was up. Mm. Um, so there was tears, tears before I even started talking, you know, they were just like, no. And I was like, Oh man, you guys, (laughs) like even now thinking about it, like that was by far and away, like probably 30, like the, the hardest minutes, you know, just sitting in that room with them. But it was awesome because I think the, the culture that we created was so supportive of each other. And, as sad as they were that I was leaving, they were so happy for me because they know like how hard I worked and, um, you know, that this was a dream to, to coach division one and, you know, the feedback after, you know, kind of the tears subsided and maybe, you know, some jealousy. Cause I obviously, I, I brought a couple of players to Davis with me from there. And, um, you know, I think that they were all so happy and supportive and, you know, I talked to the captains, you know, that we're going to be seniors this year. And I said, Hey guys, just, just cause I'm not there. You can't throw everything out of the window. Like right. everything that you built, everything that we've created, like 
if, if you aren't sad that I'm leaving and this isn't like a hard thing for you, then I didn't do my job. You know, it's like the reason you're so upset is because you were so bought in and because the culture is so good here, you know, so you got to keep that going. Now that's on you guys. Uh, so it was, it was awesome. They, I loved those girls. They did. They, they changed my life. They were fantastic. It was, it was hard to leave, but, um, you know, being at Davis now has just been a huge opportunity and so fun. And to be honest, it's been fun building it again, you know, and kind of going back. Do I still have that passion? Do I still have that drive? And I certainly do. <laughs> it's probably even higher now. So, yeah. I love it. Well, I'll, I'll tell you this, you know, when, when you're coaching and creating culture, I mean, it's, it's actually a beautiful experience to leave a legacy. And uh, I think we all want to leave a legacy. And I actually, uh, I work with the San Francisco State um, women's volleyball team currently. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm there every other week. And uh, so you know that your legacy is there. Like I, I, I hear people talk about the team and you. Um, and so that's kind of cool, you know, when you can walk into – you know, someone else's culture and still hear about the person that built the culture before it. Yeah. That's, that's nice to hear. For sure. yeah, cool. I miss them. Yeah, <laughs> I There's When you think about culture too, I, I think culture to me is it's language and it's actions. And so when you have, when you have, you know, when it comes to having people bought in, they, they're buying into the structure, the language, um, obviously the accountability and, and the actions that, that follow it. So I, I love this part because there's a lot of culture out there, or cultures that have sayings like "do simple better" or "preparation is your separation," "victory goes to the vulnerable," or "grease the grind." Whatever it is, the journey is the destination. Mm-hmm. They have all these these sayings. Um, are there is there any like predominant ones that you use or have been using uh, with the teams that you've been coaching? No, you know, I don't really have a saying for me, like what you kind of just said is like, I reinforce action. And, you know, just last week I said, listen, I don't, I don't want to keep talking about this guys. Like, I don't, I don't want to hear about your feelings. I don't want to, I don't want to hear about what you're going to do or what we need to do guys. Like you got to be action oriented. Like you got to take action. Like I I don't want to talk about it anymore. You just need to do it, Mm -hmm. you know? And I think that you can get caught up sometimes in trying to, not like not lecture is not the right word, but like provide guidance. But again, like if you're not, if you're not actually performing and executing what you're asking, then it's just talk, you know? And so for me, I, I'm more reinforced action than I do kind of going back to, you know, like a, a statement or a phrase. Um, and I focused, I think the past couple of weeks and, you know, it's kind of, we haven't had getting results um, is highlighting highlighting actions versus communication, right? Because I feel like those actions are actually the communication that needs to be happening. Because um, we're, you know, and that's just where we're at kind of in our season. It's, it's been fairly valuable because now they know what it looks like. You know, if I, you know, we watch film, um, it's easy to highlight things on film. But as I always say this, there's two places you can't hide in sports, fitness and film. Um, yep. And so, and they're, you know, it's like, oh man, but that's, that's important. And so, yeah, I, I can't say that I've got kind of like a, you know, like a statement or a purpose that we always kind of revisit. It's mainly at this point in the season, just reinforcing action and reinforcing passion and making sure that you're doing the little things right. Um, Cause that's the fundamentals are the building blocks for everything. And it's like, if you can't do the fundamentals correctly and you can't do the simple things well, then you're really going to struggle with the big stuff. So whenever I think my team struggle, we're at a point in the season where maybe, things aren't going our way. I always just bring it back to the simplest parts of the game and say, Hey, we got to do this stuff. Well, um, you know, that's kind of where I'm at. Well, I, I love it. Action. Um, cause a lot of times when athletes get stuck, they start focusing on the stuff that's out of their control. And so when we actually, mm-hmm. we, we actually sit down and we focus on what can you control and all the things they, my effort, my attitude, uh, then do it. Yeah. Just like you're saying, right? If, if that's it, that if you're in control of that, then let's go. Let's do it. Well, what are you thinking about? Good. Right? You know, they're like, but uh, but what about, no, not what about or what if, what just happened, what's going to happen now? And I, and I have this um, great, I have this great saying, I, I start every session off with, and, and, and I think after a while, if I'm working with a the team, they kind of look at me like, really? But still, I always say, what time is it now? 
It is now. Because if yeah. we want to be our best versions of ourselves, we have to be here right now with our feet, and we have to do it. Let's go. Absolutely. That's, that's like, I mean, that's the basis for everything, and that's something that I felt like, not as creative validity for me as a coach or a person, but it's certainly who I am, and I think that it's been really effective for me as a player, as a coach, because it's like, if you say you're going to do something, do it. Like, I don't, just, just stop talking about it, you know? And, like, I think one of my favorite things, like Marshawn Lynch, you know, uh, he, he's like, I'm about that action. I'm like, that is exactly right. Like, do it. Don't, you know? And it's funny, a couple of weeks ago, I was talking, uh, you know, to my team, and I just felt like I wasn't really getting the most out of them. And uh, our training sessions were good, but they weren't great because I didn't feel like they were competing um, quite at the level that I thought they could or that they needed to in order to, you know, have some success and, you know, <clears throat> probably, you know, didn't take it too far, but, you know, I was talking to him and I said, listen, I said, Hey guys, I go, why do you think people are scared of me? And they all looked at me like, you know, deer in headlights. And I'm like, no, seriously, why do you think people are scared of me? You know, and they're kind of looking around and I'm like, because they should be, <laughs> they should be. And I was like, you want to know why? Because I don't make excuses for anything. I hold myself to a higher standard than anybody else expects of me. When I say something, I do it. And I work harder than everybody that I know. So should they be scared of me? Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Especially in this environment. I go, so if you're not doing those things and you don't have the mentality, then you're going to be an average player and we're going to be an average team. Right. And, you know, that's something that I think as a coach, when you're building your culture, like, if they see that from you, then there's that automatic, like, well, shit, I got to do this too. You know, she's doing it, I do it. And I was like, guys, we all need each other. I need you to perform just like you, I need your best, you need my best. That's how this works. Yeah. Give and take, you know. So, and I'm not asking you guys to do anything that I'm not already doing also. And what's interesting is if they get on that train – Right, if they are scared of you, but they actually adopt the the standard that you're talking about, then guess what? Being scared is is not there anymore because you're you're bought in, you're at the same you're at the same frequency, you guys are going at the same rhythm, so you're not thinking about if you're scared about coach because you guys are all on the same page, you guys are all connected. Right, right, right. And they, you know, and they were, you know, I was I meant it kind of from the perspective like not why my players are scared of me, although I'm sure they are at times. <laughs> You know, I'm not like other coaches and yeah. you know, people, you know, in my industry, in my environment. And, you know, just I think being a female coach in the male-dominated industry, like, do I have a chip on my shoulder? Like, people think that. No, I don't. This is just who I am. So, you know, and it's like I know that I can walk around with confidence because I've done the things right. I hold myself accountable. You know, I don't make excuses for things. This is it. This is the hand that I was dealt, you know make the best of it and take advantage of your opportunities. And so don't be grateful for them. Like, let's go, let's move. Yeah. Um, you know, and so I think that the the team definitely had a really fantastic response to that. You know, and I said, listen, not one of you guys, I've been here eight weeks. Not one of you have asked me to do something extra before or after practice. You know, yeah. okay. You guys are division one athletes. I'm like, you're top five public school in the country. You can't tell me that you don't do anything extra to succeed in your academics. So not one of you guys are doing extra fitness. Not one of you asked me to do extra help. You know, let's go do extra technical work. You know, and then, of course, after that, major shift. We've got players there 45 minutes before every single practice now out there doing their own stuff. It's awesome. It's big time. And I'm like, well, you know, that's it. That's the start of that culture, you know, and this is a standard. And, you know, if you're not getting better, you're getting worse. So I also think too, like when we, when we start a season or we start, you know, culture, you know, we're committing to it, but we have to be willing to recommit because there's, I mean, there's a huge lesson in life. There's going to be so many times when you're in a relationship with someone or you're working for a company or you're in sport, you have to recommit. You have to be willing to recommit, recommit. And if you want to recommit and create your own comeback story, if, if, if you're losing uh, four or five games in a row or whatever it is, man, recommit and, and create your own comeback because you, it's within your power. You can control that. Whatever that comeback looks like, whether if it's just coming back and winning a game or winning a lot more or, or winning so you get to the playoffs, whatever it looks like, but create your own comeback and recommit. Absolutely. I mean, that, that's again, it's always, it always goes back to the simple same things, right? Like response to failure. Like let's do what, what can you control? Identify those things and then 
you know, again, preparation leads to confidence in my opinion. So yeah. it was like, you know, totally. if you're not, if you're not a big minute player, all right, well, what are the things that you can control? You know, fitness and then showing, showing your teammates that you're bought in and making each other better. Like what's your role? And, you know, I think it's something that's really important that, you know, kind of goes, um, you know, underspoken about is just maximizing your role and like whatever that role is, you know, trying to maximize it to the best that you can. And, you know, it, it's, it might not be your favorite role, but it's a role. And, you know, it's a privilege to be here. It's a privilege to play sports. You ask any injured player, it's a privilege to be able to play in whatever capacity or role you're in. So, yep. Yeah. You know, it's, it, uh, you know, we were talking about earlier when we got on the show that um, I've had Tiffany Roberts to Haydack on my show before, and I've grown mm-hmm. up with her brother and grown up at the same time with her. But um, she actually, we're talking about privilege. She said when she was on the, the national team, she said we had a saying that was pressure is a privilege. We get to mm-hmm. do this. You don't have to do anything, really, really, but we get to do this. But pressure is a privilege. I want to have pressure. And, uh, and like you said, man, playing this sport is, is, it is a privilege. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's, you know, it's really important. She's a big time player and that's why, you know, the national teams had success and like their culture is unbelievable. I mean, those women are in it to win it all the time, you know? So that's, that's a big piece for sure. For sure. Well, just a couple more questions before we uh, sign off here with regards to culture, as you're building culture, how important is it to incorporate mental skills training or sports psychology strategies within the culture? Uh, I think it's very valuable. Um, you know, because I, I, I think one of the things that, you know, mental skills training, it, it makes, it, why, why it's so important is I think it adds consistency. Um, and as an, as an athlete, I think that's just an invaluable trait that, you know, translates to your performance on the field. Um so that's consistent feedback from your coaches and from your teammates. It's your consistent ability to, um, you know, respond to mistakes that you're making or you're consistent in your communication. And so the mental skills part of it, you know, is, it, I mean, it's everything. Like you could be the most talented player in the world, but if you can't, you know, make a mistake and forget about it and move forward, then, you know, you lose value, you lose merit. Yeah. Um you know, and, and that's, I, I think sports are, you know, it's a meritocracy. Sports are based on merit. Can you, can you ball? Can you, you know, can you perform? And so it's, if you're, if you can't dig yourself out of a hole um, or you can't rise above, you can't identify a deficiency in your opponent and take advantage of them, then you're missing a big part of the game. Okay. Uh, you're missing out on a lot of success. So, you know, I, I got my master's in sports psych and I initially wanted to be a, a sports psychologist and then I realized that you know I I really missed being on the field and I felt like I was much better at getting you know the most out of players as a coach um and I really you know, missed that competition piece um but you know the education that I received was you know incredible in terms of you know how, how to build the culture but then how to recognize also players that are spiraling that you don't haven't had the training to respond to you know negative performances or negative self-talk or whatever it might be uh you know, so it's been, I'm really happy that I, you know, went through that, the program and, um, you know, got more acclimated to it because I always felt like I had a really good grasp on the mental side of the game, but it's hard to communicate um, without kind of that educational piece and experience for sure. Totally. You know, and I, I, I share this with all the teams I work with and, and individual athletes I work with, but I share with them that the 13 years that I played quarterback, which is, I believe, one of the hardest positions in all of sports, that my best game was because of my mental game, and my worst game was because I didn't have a mental game. And I share share with them those moments and how the mental game played a part of it, and um, and it's just, it's real. I think it's, uh, I don't care how talented you are, you can be the best, and you can be the best player for the whole season, but in that moment, in the playoffs, in the conference championship, whatever it is, if you don't have your control, your thoughts, and your commo- and your emotions in control and check, you're not the best player on the field. Right. And then you're missing out on a big part of it. I mean, that's a huge performance piece. So, yeah, yeah I couldn't agree more. Absolutely. So last question. Here, here's a deep one for you. Um, when you reflect on your whole career, so as an athlete, as a coach, 
what do you think you've learned the most about yourself? Hmm. Probably that I enjoy adversity more than the average individual. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I, I, I love it. I feel like I've gotten to be way more comfortable being uncomfortable. Um, and in fact, when I'm not, I feel like I'm not doing enough. Um, I have a major problem with complacency and just enjoying the space that I'm in, which I'm still trying to work out because I feel like I might be able to balance that a little bit better. Um, you know, but I, I think that, uh, it's if I'm not moving towards something, um, and again, like that could just be like growth, but I feel like I have to, I, I enjoy adversity. I enjoy taking over new programs. I enjoy putting myself in environments that maybe I'm not the best or I'm not, I, I don't have all the answers and all the information and then finding a solution. Um, but I definitely have discovered that I'm very action oriented. I'm very solution oriented. Uh, but I also, um, you know, I, I like a good challenge. Um, otherwise I can be fairly bored. <laughs> so, um, you know, give, give me what you got. So, right. uh, yeah, I, I enjoy that piece quite a bit. Well, I think that's, you know, being uncomfortable is where growth happens. You know, I've, I've never really seen anybody, grow when things are really comfortable right it's impossible for the most part exactly yeah exactly well coach man this thank you so much for for sharing your thoughts uh about culture and creating culture and in your journey as an athlete and as a coach um i wish you luck at uc davis i know you're gonna i know it's your first year but um there's many more to come for you and uh and i can't wait to see your career move forward throughout the D1 rank. So um, thank you again for being on my show. Great. Thanks so much for having me. I really enjoyed that.